Hello and welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. It has been a very long time. I took about a nine-month break from everything Bliss Bean related. I didn't upload any YouTube videos, I didn't send any newsletters, and I obviously did not upload any podcast episodes. If you want a full explanation of what I did during this break and why I took this break, I made a whole YouTube video about it, so I'll link that in the show notes. But the only thing that you need to know on the podcast is that I think I'm going to officially call this season two of the podcast. I never initially intended to organize the podcast into seasons. I was just going to make episodes as I went. But the fact that I took such a long break, I think, warrants some sort of feeling of starting fresh. So I'm just going to call it season two. It doesn't really change anything. I do think in season two, I might be doing more solo episodes, keeping it a little more casual, just because I've done multiple podcast audience surveys, just asking questions like, which are your favorite topics to listen about? Do you prefer episodes that are solo or with a guest? And then what sort of format do you like with a guest? And I was always surprised to see that a lot of people preferred my solo episodes because I felt like Isn't it kind of boring to just hear me sitting and talking for like 45 minutes straight? Don't you want to hear stuff from other people? But I don't know. The people have spoken and on the surveys, generally the consensus is that they prefer the solo episodes. So I'll try to think of some topics um, that I think I can go on and on about. And I think there are quite a few of those. And today's topic is, I thought, a pretty relevant one as I took the YouTube break mainly to focus on being a university student and now I am beginning my second year of university. Today I wanted to do a recap of my first year of university. I've had many many questions, um, general questions like what is my experience been being a student, studying communications, but also specific questions about what is it like studying in Spain and what is it like studying at IE University. So we're gonna get into all of that. I, as usual, before creating any piece of content, I create at least an outline, if not an entire script. And so I spent like two hours preparing what I want to say in this podcast because I realized I really had a lot to say. I have a long, long bullet point list. So let's begin with just getting the basics out of the way because, of course, people always want to ask in the beginning, what university do you go to? Is it difficult taking classes in another language? So let's just clear all of that up to begin with. I go to IE University. Um, this isn't like American universities where the acronym stands for something like UCLA, um, or NYU. IE stands for Instituto de Empresa. I almost said pero, but no one like calls it its full name. It's just IE, IE. Um, so this is a private university in Spain. It is a business focused school. They have campuses in Madrid and Segovia. Um, They actually recently, a few years ago, built a new campus in Madrid for all the undergraduate students, and it's like 
I guess one of the world's only like vertical college campuses. It is sort of a skyscraper or a tower. Maybe it doesn't qualify as a skyscraper. And then their old Madrid campus is now for all the master's students. But I study in the Segovia campus. So I study the bachelor's, uh, the bachelor's in communications and digital media. With that, you have the option either to spend four years in Madrid or two years in Segovia and then two in Madrid. And I chose to split my time between the two cities because I really wanted that small town, kind of close community family feel that Segovia provides. That's what we heard from a lot of the upperclassmen when we were making our decision is that, you know, if you go out to a club in Segovia, you're surrounded by people you know and other other IE students, whereas if you go to a club in Madrid, Madrid is a huge city, so you're surrounded by people that you probably don't really know. So just because I've always had this idea in my head of like the cozy little college campus, um, I thought I would kind of be able to replicate that in Segovia. And so far, that has been the case. It is very, very nice to be able to walk everywhere, all of your friends live nearby. You can very easily walk to all of their apartments. Um, campus is really never more than like 15 minutes away. Then this university is 100% in English. All of my classes are in English and I generally speak English with all of my classmates. There is a requirement that you will graduate with a certain level of Spanish and the university provides language classes for that. But when I started here and I took the entrance test, my level of Spanish was high enough to not have to take any Spanish classes, which was very nice. Okay, so one of the first questions that I always get from people is, why did you choose IE University? Why did you not choose like an American university where you grew up? Why did you decide to go to another country to this sort of lesser known university and kind of take a gamble on it? So. I've known about IE for quite a few years at this point. I remember stumbling upon it very early on in my high school college search. And I don't remember when I started looking at colleges, but like considering that I have the personality of someone who was always planning ahead, it was probably pretty early in my high school career. So I was open to the idea of studying in another country because First of all, I am from Lithuania. I was born in Lithuania and I'm a Lithuanian citizen. And then me and my family moved to the United States when I was about four or five years old. And so just the idea of being in an international environment was sound, sounded pretty good to me. Like I was comfortable with that idea. I thought it would be very exciting and a good experience um, in terms of broadening my horizons, language learning, um, also in many cases cheaper than university in the U.S. because the U.S. is just an exceptional case in terms of their tuition prices. So I went to this website called, I think, bachelorsportal.com was the website, and you can filter what you're looking for. So I knew for a while that I'm very interested in media and communication, so I filtered, okay, communications degrees, I checked the boxes for which countries I'd be interested in, and I didn't really want to learn an entirely new language to move to a country, so I think I limited my search to the US, Spain, and Lithuania. Those were the countries that I was interested in. 
So what about IE drew my eye to it? So this is going to sound very, very shallow, and I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but IE had a really nice website. But hear me out. I was trying to go into a media and communications degree, which is very much like social media, marketing, design, web design. And I thought, if I'm going to this university to learn about things like this, I really hope there is someone at that school who can make a nice looking website. Because, I don't know, some universities' websites are just kind of disasters. And so when I saw IE's website, it looked very slick. But that's not the only reason. That was just kind of what caught my eye in the beginning. Another thing that I really liked about IE is that the study plan had no requirements for general education. You pretty much dive right into your degree. Um, I will be talking about exactly what classes I've had so far, but for example, just to start, first year, first semester, we already had classes like communication foundations, photo and video, um, and writing for media. So there is no requirement to like take a certain amount of English classes, science classes, math classes, etc. The classes themselves also sounded so interesting to me. Um, I was just amazed that I could find a degree that was quite broad. Like, I would say communications is a pretty broad field. There's a lot that goes into it. And I really didn't want to focus on anything or specialize in anything. Like, I wanted it all, basically. And I felt like this degree had that. And then just... Come on, let's be honest, the idea of studying in Spain sounded very exciting. Um, it was nice because I studied Spanish in high school, so I felt ready for that. The climate seemed really nice. Also, being closer to Lithuania, um, most of my extended family lives in Lithuania. Some of them live in Germany, so like I'd be closer to all of them. Of course, I'd be uh, leaving behind my immediate family in the United States, but... I can always go back to visit them, you know, but like my relatives in Europe, I would only visit them every four or five years. So I really thought, you know, maybe this would be a chance for me to spend more time with them and get closer with them. Um, oh, and then finally, I got a 40% scholarship for IE. It was, they offer different kinds of scholarships, but mine was like an academic one. And so that made it pretty much my cheapest option of the universities that I was accepted to. I also applied, I hope I'm not forgetting any because literally college applications feel like they were so long ago for me, but I also applied to Boston University, USC, UW-Madison, and Fordham University, and I got into all of those, but the costs were more than IE. One thing that I will say did not draw me to this university was their rankings. Of course, I did my research. I tried to check, do they have a good reputation? Like, do people actually know about this university? Is it a scam? And I will say people in the US tend to not know about it, but it is quite well known in Europe. Reputation seemed fine. Um, but like, what really, really bothered me and got on my nerves was how much they talked about their rankings. It's nice to hear that they're high in employability, that a lot of their graduates get jobs when they graduate. Okay, great. But oh my goodness, the amount of times that they kept reiterating in every single like parent session, welcome session, every freaking page on their website 
we're number this in Spain, number this in Europe, number this in the world. And I was like, just stop. Like, I want to hear what you're actually going to offer me rather than your position on some random lists for the millionth time. Like, personally, I don't really trust those rankings. I have read stuff about the U.S. university rankings, how, for example, universities will market themselves to students who they know have no chance of being accepted just because they want those students to send in applications and to lower their acceptance rate so that they then seem more exclusive. So I just think there's a lot of shady stuff going on with rankings. I personally do not trust them at all. And it felt very um, off-putting, just very cringy that they felt like they needed to mention their rankings at any opportunity they could. So anyways, that's just my opinion. I think if you're looking at universities, you should do way more in-depth research than going to like Google and typing in top 10 colleges in the United States because we don't know what goes into those rankings. Okay, moving on. So now I want to tell you about how my first semester at this university went. This is also the part where I am definitely going to criticize a lot of things about IE, so... This is the part where I worry about who's going to be listening to this podcast and will IE take away my scholarship for what I say about them on the internet. But, you know, if they do, I'm sure there is like some argument I could make for free speech and them restricting it. So I am just going to go ahead and say all of my thoughts. As I said, there are no gen ed requirements at IE. So as soon as I got here, my classes for first semester were... Communication Foundations, Globalization and Cross-Cultural Communication, Writing for Media, Photography and Video Production, and Writing Skills. Writing Skills was just like an extra class. It's not part of our degree, but it was required. So judging by the names of these classes, I don't know about you, but I thought they sounded pretty cool. But, spoiler alert, most of them were not pretty cool. My favorite class was Communication Foundations, as I said in my YouTube video, which again, link is in the show notes. This was like the only class that was keeping me sane first semester. It was maybe the only reason I didn't just drop out without even making it to the end of first semester. The Communication Foundations professor was absolutely fantastic. Just like the best that you can hope for in a professor. She was passionate, energetic, engaging really knows her stuff and her research into the field is super interesting and most importantly she not only knows her stuff but she knows how to teach it because I've been realizing more and more that knowing about a subject and being an expert in it versus actually teaching it to students require very different skill sets and not everyone has both skill sets. So this class to summarize, was sort of a rundown of the history of different forms of mass media, but then more importantly, the history of the theories about how these media and how communications in general affects people. This was the only class where I genuinely felt like I was learning something, you know, and it reminded me of high school in that sense, which was very refreshing, because it was just the only class where I felt like there was a clear structure of like, different units that we were studying, and then readings to do, lectures on those topics, um, exams on those topics, just like the kind of school structure that I was used to and that I feel like I get the most out of. 
The next class was photography and video production. Uh, the name is pretty self-explanatory. It was basically an intro course to shooting photos and videos with a DSLR camera. Um, our projects, I believe we had to take a few photos to like demonstrate our understanding of fast and slow shutter speed, and then a self-portrait photo, and then a final group video project. So this class, obviously it is very important for a media and communications degree, and it is pretty interesting, but I just personally found it very boring because we were starting with all the basics. Things like how to use a camera, how to use a tripod, how to film an interview shot, how to edit it in Premiere, and then like put the text on that says the person's name and things like that. And after doing YouTube and photography for so many years, also after doing a media internship in high school where I produced documentaries myself, there was just nothing new to me. And like I showed up to class, I was like, fine, I'll, I'll do it. But like, this is so boring and I feel like I'm wasting time. The final group project was also extremely stressful. I think everyone had this experience. It was just so much coordination of group members. Um, also, the media lab was completely overwhelmed. They did not have enough equipment for everyone that needed it. I just think everyone in our class would like to put that experience behind us and never think about it again. That's what I will say on that. Then we have globalization and cross-cultural communication. This class was sort of looking at how globalization uh, affects different sectors, I guess. Like, for example, one, uh, one lecture would be about globalization and environment, and then globalization and politics, globalization and health. I'm sorry, but this class was just terrible. Like, it was taught very poorly. Um, like I said before, just because someone knows about a topic does not mean that they can teach it. I would say that I literally enjoyed only two sessions of this class, which was the sessions when we discussed the cross-cultural communication part of the course, which you'd think would make up half of the course. Like, in total, we had 30 sessions of this class. So you'd think we'd have about 15 sessions discussing cross-cultural communication because it, after all, is half of the course name. But no, we had like one day that we had some amazing class discussion about how different cultures communicate differently and then what issues in communication can arise because of those like different expectations. And because it's an international university, we have students from all over and almost everyone had some personal experiences that they could share about communication from where they're from. So that was the only good part of the class. Everything else I would say could boil down to just two statements. First, that globalization is very complicated, very multifaceted. And second, also related, is that globalization and deglobalization are two sides of the same coin. That sort of became a meme in our class, the two sides of the same coin thing, because we heard that like every single class session. And honestly, I would say that is all I learned in this class. Writing, I'm sorry, by the way, that this is so negative, but I also want to be very honest. Like, I don't want to be 
like, oh yeah, everything has been amazing. I love school. I, I do love school, but my specific experience at university has not all been amazing. And I think it's important to criticize what the university I think is not doing well. So I'm just gonna go ahead and keep complaining, I'm sorry. Okay, so then we have a class called Writing for Media. Also pretty self-explanatory. You could also just call this class like journalism. Our assignments were to write a hard news story, then to write a reaction story, basically where you interview people um, to get their thoughts about a topic and write up an article on that. Uh, wow, I actually had to go back into my Evernote. Evernote is where I do my school notes and check what assignments we did because I was like, it can't be right that we only did three assignments, can it? But we only did three assignments. So those are the first two. And then the last one was a feature story, um, sort of like diving deep into some topics. So for example, my feature story was about this vegan vegetarian restaurant slash cafe that we have in Segovia. It's relatively new. And I also kind of knew the owner. I mean, new as in I went to that cafe multiple times. And so like I knew her name and she would recognize me. But then I reached out to her and I said that I have this project for class and I would love to interview you about how did you come to open this restaurant in Segovia? Because there's like almost no other vegan and vegetarian places here. So it's very new and exciting in that sense. So I enjoyed that assignment, but the other two were just kind of tedious. The reaction story was actually one of my worst memories <laughs> so far from university. We actually had to go out on the street and interview people in Spanish. And I remember when our professor was introducing this assignment, she said, I know this sounds scary to you guys and I know you're nervous, but trust me, you will look back on this as one of your favorite memories from first year. No, that was a lie. I don't know anyone who looks back on that as a positive memory. Personally, I look back at it as my worst memory. It was terrifying. Like, I'm a person who hates rejection. It is difficult for me to deal with. And the feeling of like going up to strangers and first of all, speaking to them in Spanish, but also having them just like wave you away before you've even started talking to them. It broke my heart. And we had to do that so many times because we had to interview so many people. So I just really did not enjoy that assignment. Um, I would say I learned a little bit about journalistic writing, especially in the hard news story, um, learning how to keep it really, really concise, how to arrange the information so you say the most important stuff first, but not much, to be honest. And I also feel like our professor just kind of seemed to check out a little bit by the end of the course, but it wasn't the worst class. I can give it that. And that is a pretty good segue to the last class called writing skills. So as I said, this was not part of the media and communications degree. This was a class that multiple degrees had to take, I guess just because the university thought we needed to learn how to write essays. So they decided, let's just get these students together in a classroom. Let's throw together some slides about how to write different kinds of essays. Let's assign a couple of random professors to teach it and bam, all of these students will know how to write. Okay, first of all, I don't really trust a class where the professor themselves did not design the slides that they teach from. I'm very judgmental about 
the lecture slides, I think that the best professors are really good at keeping the slides extremely simple, very concise, and they don't rely on these slides, okay? The slides are just kind of there in the background. They know their stuff and they just need a quick reminder of what they need to talk about. But like this class had these very cookie cutter feeling, way too much text presentation slides um, about how to write different kinds of essays. And it just seemed like the professor herself had not really seen those slides before. And basically we would just sit in class and she would read off of the slides and then, yeah, great. Now we're supposed to know how to write an argumentative essay. The best writing class that I ever took was AP Language and Composition. I had an amazing teacher, one of the best teachers I've ever had. And I just remember that in that class, we were always writing, writing, writing and nitpicking everything that we wrote, having one-on-one -on -one meetings with our teacher and just revising and revising. That is not the experience that I had in this class. Um, I just think there wasn't nearly enough actual writing practice for this to really be called a writing course. We would just write those essays, submit them, and you're done with it. We also had to write a group essay at the end, which I just think the entire concept of group essays is kind of pointless because I don't know what benefit you get from a group essay as opposed to an individual one. Um, what benefit you gain from writing one body paragraph of an essay and then somehow trying to get together with other students and then mesh different writing styles together. I don't know. So yeah, basically after first semester, I was just pretty disillusioned by everything and it was terrifying to think that I might be in the wrong university or in the wrong degree. Towards the beginning of the year, I actually tried to switch to a different degree. I tried to switch to business administration, which now feels ridiculous to me. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, everything in my degree felt so easy. And I definitely wasn't learning anything new about media production. So I was just like, well, if it's going to be easy, I might as well be learning something new. Um, but it turned out that it was too late to switch and at this point I'm very glad for that because I don't think I would have liked BBA at all. BBA stands for business administration. I think it would have been the wrong fit for me. Moving on to second semester, second semester classes were a lot better. So I had public opinion, persuasion, and engagement. That's all the name of one class. Representation and media ethics. Visual and digital media culture public affairs and non-market strategies, graphic design and infographics, and then we got to pick one humanities course, and for that I picked social justice. So public opinion, persuasion, and engagement, or as it's more easily referred to, Pope, was fantastic. The subject matter may not have been like one of my top interests, but again, it reminded me of high school. I actually felt like I was actually learning something. The professor was great, he really knew his stuff, I thought he did a good job of organizing little activities like discussion posts or short debates in class. We had interesting readings to do. Um, the one essay that we wrote was quite a challenging experience for me, but after getting through that process, I felt very proud of myself. I would say that this class was generally not very popular amongst the students. It was definitely not the class favorite, but... It surprised me. 
Like, yes, sometimes the lecture material bored me a little bit, but my brain felt like it was learning something, and I just really appreciated that. Oh yeah, to summarize what this class was about, um, we learned about different theories of like the public sphere, who gets to participate, how they should participate. Um, we also learned about persuasion techniques, are they ethical? Um, yeah, that's all I can remember. The next class, Visual and Digital Media Culture, was one of the most amazing classes I've ever taken. So this class, I believe the first half of it, we began by just learning about a variety of different topics in each session. So we had topics like um, self-representation online, the male gaze, race, sexual identity, stereotypes, politicians, protests and act- I'm literally just reading this from my Evernotes. Um, protest and activism, how war is portrayed in visual media. All of these were just absolutely fascinating. Like the textbook that we had was so, so good. The class discussions that we had were amazing. I really, really looked forward to being in this class and it never, uh, it never bored me. It always felt like it went by so quickly. And then the second half of the semester was dedicated entirely to advertising. And in this part, we went so deep into the topic, like completely breaking apart bit by bit the decoding, sorry, the encoding of an ad, um, the creation of it, and then how audiences decode it. What are the signs that are encoded into the ad? What is the ideology behind it? And then we had to actually create our own fragrance advertisement based on everything that we had learned, which was a difficult but rewarding assignment. And then we had two essays to write as well, both of which I really enjoyed writing. The second essay that I wrote was honestly one of my favorite um, pieces of writing that I've ever done, and I'm so proud of it. And I hope this doesn't make me sound like egotistical, but like once in a while, I will just open up that essay just to read through it. I think it's good motivation, especially when you start working on new essays and it feels very overwhelming and daunting. And you might be like, I have no idea how I'm going to turn all these ideas into a coherent piece of writing. If you go back to something that you've written in the past, then you just kind of reassure yourself like, yeah, I got this. I've written really great stuff in the past. I can do it again. Graphic design and infographics was also a fantastic class. Even though by this point I was realizing, I was learning about myself that I am actually much more interested in the theory behind media rather than the actual production of it, this was a class where I made an exception because everything that we were learning in graphic design felt very new to me. I also liked that the professor, he kind of didn't handhold us, if that makes sense. Like for example, he didn't teach us how to use Adobe Illustrator in class. He just gave us some links to tutorials to work through at our own pace and he trusted that if we needed to learn anything else, we could just learn it when we needed it, you know? And instead we used class time for a lot of critiquing, a lot of feedback, which was very, very helpful. He was super involved throughout the entire design process and he expected us to check in very consistently and update him on our progress. So it was definitely not a class where you could just turn in the project um, on the deadline, but like not communicate with the professor. Otherwise, you had to update him very consistently on how things were going so that he could 
tell you what to adjust and so that you can make it better. And just the entire experience was very challenging, but very, very engaging. The social justice humanities course was not at all what I expected because I think based on what we actually read and what we learned, I would kind of call it more of a philosophy or an ethics course. But the nice little upside to that was that I actually realized that I'm very interested in philosophy and ethics. So that kind of worked out for me in the end. Um, I just really enjoyed all the readings that we did and I thought we had pretty cool discussions in class. So no complaints on my part. And then finally, the last class was public affairs and non-market strategies. I can't even summarize what this class was about for you because I can't remember a single thing to tell you about. This class was taught by the same professor who taught globalization, so I think that's all I need to say. It was not a good experience, it was just one of those things you had to get through. Which brings me to a question that someone asked me on Instagram. They asked, do you have any advice on pushing through a class that feels pointless? Great question, something I've been learning a lot about. So. I would say that the main lesson I learned was that I have to make classes interesting for myself. Here's what I mean by that. I realized that there were classes for semester where I was just sort of mentally checking out. Like I was paying attention and I was taking lecture notes. I was listening to the professor and sometimes raising my hand to answer some questions, but I was not asking questions. I was not trying to take the class discussion in different directions. It was just a very low level of engagement. And I think the interesting thing is that the less you're engaged in a class, the more tiring it can actually be. Like there's something so draining about being in a class and just feeling like you're just there. You just gotta get through it. Whereas if you push yourself, even if you're not entirely interested in the subject matter, if you push yourself to think of interesting questions to ask or like parts of the lecture that maybe you disagree with and you want to push back on a little bit or um, just discussion questions that you want to pose to the rest of your classmates, other things you've learned or read about that might be relevant to this discussion, when you engage with the material on a higher level, it just becomes more interesting. Like you enjoy your time more in class you actually feel engaged and it starts to not feel as pointless. Of course, I think there are some cases of classes that are just hopeless and then in that instance, I would just recommend all of the productivity stuff that I talk about, like look at your to-do list for the day, see if there's something quick that you can check off that list, like sending an email, reaching out to someone, I don't know, ordering something on Amazon, little tasks, um, if it is, a class where there are assignments and group work, then try to use my productivity techniques to plan that out and schedule it into your week to get it done as quickly and efficiently as possible. Because if it has to take up some of your time, you can strive to make it take up as little of your time as possible. All right, finally, my classes this year. So I have just started my first semester of second year. And the classes that I have are Media and Entertainment Industries, Corporate Communication, Digital Marketing and Social Media, Visual Storytelling, and Events Management, which we haven't started yet. We're starting that class next week. Um, and I also signed up for a seminar called 
the evolving past cultural heritage in the 21st century. Not entirely sure what that's about, but it sounded pretty interesting and it's only six sessions, so it's not like a huge commitment. I'm not gonna comment on my classes this year so far because I've only been in school for a month. Maybe that'll be the subject of a future podcast episode, but for now, I just wanted to comment on some thoughts about IE that I have in general. So one thing is that this is a pretty small school and that has its pros and its cons. It's also something that I think was a little difficult for me to get used to. Obviously, I haven't been to any other colleges, but I grew up in a big college town. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, where we have the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I don't have the facts and statistics next to me right now, but I believe that it has an undergraduate population of about 40,000 students. So like a big, big school, kind of what you might imagine as like your classic American university, really big, beautiful buildings, historical buildings, lots of libraries, very expansive campus, um, you know, like lots of coffee shops and every coffee shop that you go into, you see a bunch of students working. IE is not like that. We don't have that here, especially not the Segovia campus. Our campus is just one building. I will say it is very historical and beautiful. I'll give it that, but it is one building. Our library is crap. Like it is small and dark and worse than my high school library. And where I come from, UW-Madison, they, for example, have this beautiful library that's literally nicknamed the Harry Potter Library because it has sort of this academia aesthetic. I think they have those cute little green lamps. And that is just not what we have here. Another thing is that back in high school, when I imagined myself in college, I imagined that I would be on this huge campus, thousands of students, meeting so many people, like so many opportunities, and walking from building to building, being in classes with different people. And the reality of my experience is that actually I'm in a class of about, I think we're down to 47 people now in our degree. And we have almost all of our classes in the same classroom every day. So every single day I'm going to the same classroom with the same people and that's even less variety than I experienced in high school. Of course, there is pros and cons to this. Um, the pros are that you have a small class size. We don't have huge lectures ever. You also get to know the people in your class over the course of your program, which can be a pro or a con to be with the same people for four years. And there's just kind of a sense of like being at home and getting really used to that environment. And I also would say that I don't really feel like there's a lack of opportunities. There's definitely lots of extracurriculars. There is stuff you can find to do if you want to. One thing that kind of stands out to me and surprised me about being here is, let's just, let's just call it the standards and the expectations here. So I don't know if this is because it's a private university, because it's a European university, because it's a Spanish university, or because if it's just like my degree, I really don't know, I can't generalize, but I have been surprised at how low the standards and expectations placed on students are. First of all, like I said before, there have only been a few classes that reminded me of high school classes. And I thought that it would be the other way around, you know? Teachers always tell you it's gonna get harder, it's gonna get harder. So I thought like, 
maybe college classes are going to be harder than high school classes, but they're mostly easier and only a few classes I think have lived up to the standards of what I experienced in high school. Professors, for example, will do quizzes online. I've only had a few exams on paper, like I can count them on one hand. And I honestly respect those teachers so much because all of the other assessments have kind of been a joke. Like it's so not serious, you know? I've also just noticed that students complain a lot about the most basic quizzes and projects and expectations, like as if that's not what we came to university to do. They'll ask to have due dates or exam dates changed or like assignments canceled, which kind of just blows my mind because I don't think in high school we would have ever even considered that as an option. Like if the teacher tells you the deadline, that's when you do it. End of discussion. Like there's no negotiations that you can do. I think just also on that general theme, I feel like there's a lack of personal responsibility and a tendency to blame the professor when something goes wrong. So like if points were subtracted for incorrect APA format, it must be because the professor didn't do a tutorial on APA format in class. If something was wrong on the project, it's because the professor didn't tell you exactly how to do it. And there's no sense of like, maybe if I don't know how to do this or if I'm unsure about something, I can go seek out that information myself before I turn in my work. It's just pretty frustrating to me because I feel like we're still being treated like children and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I think I went to a pretty rigorous high school where we had difficult courses, um, people really trying their best and just an environment that really encouraged you to work hard. And obviously that doesn't mean that I myself can't try hard. Like even if professors don't have high expectations, I can still set my own expectations and try to meet those. But it's just, I would like to be in a rigorous environment and I would like to be surrounded by people who have a similar mindset and also want to do their best and just get similar things out of this entire college experience. So sometimes I do have doubts like whether I might have been happier at a university that's more rigorous or like um, just known for its academics. But, you know, I'm having an okay time and I think it is very much up to me to make the most of my experience and I am just going to keep trying my best to have a good experience here. A lot of people have asked me since I'm studying in Europe to try and compare the American college culture versus that of Europe. So obviously I have my own thoughts on this. I actually looked up an article on this to see if my initial thoughts on the topic match the general consensus. And so I think it really depends which two universities you're comparing. It's hard to make generalizations. Because, for example, this article that I was reading on a website called collegefashion.net said that in Europe, classes focus on lectures, reading, lots and lots of reading, and one or two major exams. Group projects and other activities are rare. I wish that were true for IE, but we actually have tons of group projects, especially this first semester of second year. I've actually been pretty frustrated because I 
have this feeling of not even being able to show the professors what I know or what I'm capable of because all we ever do is group projects. Like, I don't think there's going to be any essays this semester even, which was one of my favorite things to do last year. So I'm kind of bummed that we don't get to do that. Other items listed in this article, though, I did agree with. Sports culture is way less of a thing here, which I'm very happy with because I'm just not into the whole college games, team rivalries, wearing your school colors thing. There are also not as many clubs and student organizations. There definitely are some. And, you know, if you're interested in something, you can probably find something to get involved with. But just the whole student life thing is not quite as big as it is in the U.S., And then the biggest difference, I would say, is the lack of general education courses. In one sense, that is nice because if you absolutely know what you want to study, you can just get right to it and not spend any time doing anything else. On the other hand, though, the downside is that there is way less flexibility in choosing your courses and you can't really do anything outside of your degree. So that was one thing that made my first year more stressful is that since I was doubting my choice of degree, I couldn't just start taking different classes and try to transition into a different major. I pretty much would have to completely start over on an entirely different track and none of the courses that I had taken up until then would apply um, to the new program that I picked. Finally, it's also true that students in Europe on average dress more formally for class. Of course, you can wear anything that you want, Um, And people do show up in like hoodies and comfortable outfits, but I would just say it's less common to wear leggings, sweatpants, sweatshirts, etc. You definitely don't see that as often as you do on American campuses. A lot of people asked me about my experience making friends, so I briefly touched on this in my video, but just to repeat real quick, after first semester, I definitely didn't feel like I had found much of a community. I didn't feel very connected to people here. And so when I was debating leaving the university, I was completely ready to just get up and go and not tell anyone. But second semester, I don't know how this happened, but I just started getting closer to people. And so the idea of leaving sounded much more difficult. And I actually started to feel kind of embedded into the community here, which I think is so, so, so important, not just in university, but just in life. Like you need to have a place where you feel like you are a part of like the social web. My focus this year actually was to try and make a more intentional effort to foster friendships. So not just expecting them to happen automatically the way a lot of my middle school and high school friendships did, But going out of my way to be like, here's this person that I've talked to before that I really enjoy talking to, but then for some reason we just never really talked again, we never hung out, and I want to change that. So maybe I'll invite them to have coffee so that we can really get to know each other better. And I've already been doing a very good job of that so far this new school year, so I'm very proud of myself. And it is just very rewarding, um, especially when you go to a small school, because the more people that you get to know, you'll be walking around campus, you'll be walking around the city, like just going to the grocery store. And every time that you run into someone that you care about, your day is brightened by those small interactions. And you feel like you feel supported, basically, in every part of your day. Another person on Instagram asked about dating advice, and I would just say I have no dating advice for you. I'm sorry. 
Maybe you can ask another person for that. Someone else on Instagram was curious about whether I am living in a residence this year. So last year I lived in one of the two residences in Segovia that are managed by the university. It was very nice. It was definitely much nicer than I think most American dorms are. It was a seven minute walk from school, so super nice location, very convenient. The upsides of that were that it was super convenient to have all of my packages delivered to reception. We also had weekly cleaning. I had a full meal plan, so I had all of my meals Monday to Saturday provided for me. And it was also very nice to have my own room, but to be able to like use the study room with my friends or to go downstairs every morning and have breakfast with them in the shared space. The downsides were that their rules were pretty strict. Like they had a lot of cameras. We always felt like we were being watched. They were also very strict about rules for visitors, especially during the pandemic, which is understandable, but it was frustrating because we had the strictest rules pretty much of all the residences. And I also had a room on the upper floor with like a very small window. So I don't think I realized back then how this affected my mental health because now I have big windows and lots of sunlight and can actually see things outside my window. But last year, because I was short, I could only see the sky from my window. So my room was dark during the day. I couldn't see anything except clouds. And sometimes it just felt kind of like I was living in a box. It was not, it was not the best environment for me to thrive in. Almost no one lives in a residence their second year. So this year I moved out to an apartment by myself. I have been absolutely loving it. And maybe I'll make some videos or podcasts or whatever to talk about that experience of living alone. But for now, I will just say that it has been amazing. Finally, um, in terms of getting used to life in Spain, I think one question that I often don't know how to answer, like for example, when I go home for the summer and my friends are just like, so how's Spain? And it's like, I don't even know where to begin answering that because it's not like I went on a two week vacation or even a semester study abroad in Spain. No, I'm living here for four years, you know? It is very much like a long-term home for me. And so it's very hard to summarize what that has been like, but I can point to a few things that have been difficult for me to get used to. So first of all, the schedule here is definitely shifted forward. People wake up later, they go to bed later, they have dinner super late, and as an American, also as just an early bird personality myself, that is very hard for me to adjust to. Um, I still stick to my personal schedule. I still wake up very early and go to bed pretty early. But it's weird to like wake up and there's no one out on the streets. And then I go to sleep and there's tons of people still having dinner outside, you know. There's also just like a slower pace of life. Um, for example, businesses not updating their hours on Google Maps, not opening at their listed hours, just kind of going with the flow with everything. And I don't like that. I am very much a follow the schedule, stay on time, do everything according to the calendar kind of person. And I think that is very much American culture as well, um, at least from my experience. Back in August 2021, the month before my family dropped me off at college, we were traveling around Spain and I remember I had some work to do because I was still like keeping up with my YouTube channel and stuff and I wanted to 
just go to a coffee shop with my computer and get some work done. But I felt very weird doing that because I felt like none of the coffee shops that I saw, there was no one working on their computers. Like people only treated coffee shops as places to go and actually have a coffee and talk to people. Whereas a lot of the coffee shops that I'm used to in the US, you go in and maybe like half the people are using it as a sort of um, workspace outside of their home. It's just full of workaholic Americans, always on their computers, working, working, working. And low-key, I miss that. I miss the workaholic culture, I will admit that. Despite the cultural differences, I do love life in Segovia, though. Um, I have to keep stopping and reminding myself to just look around and appreciate how beautiful everything is. Like, I'll be going to take out my recycling in the morning or something, and I'm like, Patrice, look up. There is a freaking cathedral that is lit up orange by the rising sun and there's hot air balloons flying over it. Like this is more beautiful than a postcard. Just open your eyes and enjoy it because it's very easy to get caught up in the daily routine and get very used to these surroundings, but they are actually so stunningly beautiful. It's also very, very nice to live in such a walkable place. I really enjoy that lifestyle and I think that it's much easier to stay active and my mood is just in general better when I'm forced to consistently walk outside a lot and be in the sun more often. My Spanish level, I don't know if it has improved since I've gotten here. I'm sure it's improved a little bit, but the thing is, I think that living here and going to IE is most beneficial for people who are beginners in Spanish because then you definitely run into a lot of situations where you need to learn and practice and there's also the language classes that the university offers. But in my case, because I didn't need to take any language classes and because my Spanish was already intermediate and I could totally like get by in grocery stores or restaurants or taking the subway, etc. There just wasn't that much opportunity for me to learn extra things and like actually try to reach an advanced level. The most Spanish practice I've ever gotten is when I go to get a manicure and then the nail technician talks to me for like an hour straight, all in Spanish, and we talk about all sorts of topics, everything that's going on in our lives. And so that is like the best conversational practice that I've ever received here in Segovia. Um, and I know that I absolutely could seek out more opportunities to practice Spanish, like just in my class amongst my friends, there are people who speak Spanish and I could very easily try to practice Spanish with them. There is one friend with whom we've made like a commitment that when we send WhatsApp voice clips, I have to send them in Spanish and she has to send them in English so that we're both practicing the languages that push us a bit outside of our comfort zone. So I'm proud of myself for doing that, but there's definitely way more that I could be doing to practice my Spanish. So. I don't know, maybe I will start watching a show in Spanish or like make some sort of agreement with a friend that like once in a while we have a conversation 100% in Spanish or something like that. So yeah, oh my gosh, I am actually exhausted. I've been speaking for about an hour and a half. I don't know how long this episode will be once I edit it down because I am out of, out of practice with podcasting. So I definitely messed up and had to repeat stuff a lot of times. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to you continuing this season two podcast journey with me. 
Please let me know if there are any episode ideas that you have, anything that you'd like to hear me talk about on the podcast. Also remember that you can sign up to have show notes delivered to your email whenever new episodes are released. So that's a very, very convenient way not only to be updated um, on new episodes that have come out, but also to access all of the links and resources to things that I've mentioned in the episode. Also, I include timestamps so that you can easily navigate to whatever topics you're interested in within the episode. You can sign up to that email by going to theblissbean.com podcast or by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to suggest an episode idea or comment on this week's episode, you can email me at hello at theblissbean.com or find me on Instagram at, you guessed it, theblissbean. I'd love to hear from you. I'd also really appreciate it if you could take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And as always, have an amazing week.